show. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 a.m. out West, and wherever you are in America or around the world. Welcome into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday morning. A lot going on in the uh, in the world of soccer yesterday, in the world of sports. Um, nope. Not really any games, but still a lot going on. Um, if you if you haven't heard, uh, we have gotten official notification on the postponement of Copa America this summer. Uh, the postponement of the Euros 2020 will now be the Euros 2021. Um, and uh, we are looking at uh, if these leagues are able to reconvene in the next few weeks, uh, that the club schedule and calendar will push back in uh, into June, and uh, and that will um, likely mean that the Champions League final will uh, occur uh, towards the end of June and would give domestic competitions the opportunity to finish up sometime in early to mid-June. At least that's the word so far. Uh, No official word on the Olympics. Uh, Another question that many sports uh, fans and the public have been asking so far. No official information on that. Um, and, And no official alternate plan even necessarily being tossed out. Um, so we're still awaiting, uh, you know, things from the IOC and, and, uh, and, and what's going on with, uh, the Olympics, the summer Olympics this summer. Um, but in terms of, uh, football soccer, um, we, we got, uh, from the, the different governing bodies, uh, FIFA also speaking on some of this yesterday that, uh, you know, we, uh, we have a, um, that we have a, a list of places, uh, or events that will be delayed, um, over the next, uh, few months and and will be moved into 2021 so um you know what we were expecting uh and, and really what i think uh you know was the right call um uh, to try to you know cram this stuff in if it had been a week or two maybe three could we find some ways um you know to, to try to stay on schedule maybe but you know this this break uh, looks like it's going to be for the for the football leagues in Europe or is is going to be a little bit longer than they originally forecast it and and giving club competitions the opportunity to extend a little bit uh, I think was the right call and um, and 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 just you know from from a planning standpoint um, those who had who had purchased tickets to Euro twenty twenty and you know. This isn't just a European thing. Um, people come from all over the world to take in the Euros uh, outside of the World Cup. It is uh, an incredible competition. Um, and and so that and Copa America are the two kind of uh, continental, um, you know, confederation uh, events that happen uh, that uh, outside of World Cup that, that are... Uh, premium top of the not you know top notch top level uh, events and so uh, to to go on and postpone both of those events um, to me was an important step and necessary step uh, needed to happen so uh, we'll we'll continue to monitor monitor the Olympics but um, you know the uh, those two events. Uh, Copa America Euros 2020 now taking place in 2021. Um, in in uh, other news, I mentioned yesterday at uh, at the end of the show that uh, we were going to be doing a special. Uh, this is a live special. Uh, this is taking place tomorrow uh, night. 
um, this special. And it, we're going to take a look at, uh, you know, where we are in American soccer. Uh, we've had some things that have, you know, been going on recently uh, in terms of, uh, um, you know, the, the board decisions, etc. cetera. Uh, and so we, we are going to uh, do a live special that is taking place uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, this is going to be uh, a Bega TV production, SoccerWorks TV. And um, with, uh, with this event, what we are... Um, you know, looking to do so it's going to be a different uh, format than our show every day. Our show is a radio style show, the in format, the the Daniel Wortman show. Um, and so, what we're looking to do uh, with this event is uh, to basically bring in a, a panel of guests. Uh, right now, with all of the coronavirus and everything, uh, everyone's going to be remote, and in the show, we'll we'll probably have a mix of live and remote guests in the future uh, if we are able to, to execute and pull off uh, additional specials and and uh, you know and the long-term plan is for this to become a regular uh, special a regular uh, TV show uh, soccer works TV now if you're wondering where did that name come from uh, I've mentioned yesterday and and I've mentioned before that Soccer Works was a daily short form podcast. It uh, was about two minutes long, and what we would do is is take a look at different aspects of American soccer, soccer in general, um, and and that was kind of uh, the the first kind of you know official foray into soccer media uh, in a you know consistent and concerted way, launching that show. That show um, eventually kind of morphed as we went along, and uh, we did some longer form audio only podcasts, no video, and um, and then we did some you know multiple guests, um, you know live uh, at the at the bar of the uh, U.S. Soccer AGM. This was in 2019 uh, segments uh, where where we literally just set up the gear in the bar and you know invited people in and and these were longer form interviews uh and and all of this kind of led us as we were building towards uh, a big idea and that big idea was to to ultimately launch Bega TV but the but the next step of that was to launch this show the Daniel Workman show which airs weekday mornings uh live and uh so we have been doing that. Uh, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary in April of the Daniel Workman Show. Uh, Soccer Works began um, probably about nine months before we launched the Daniel Workman Show, and so now we are we are look as we've been looking at content and building out the idea of a digital soccer channel that really covers the game. Uh, with Bega TV, um, we're we're looking at bringing back SoccerWorks as a TV show that is going to give us a a different format, and I'm excited about this uh, to to be able to kind of dig into things in a, in a different way than. Um, you know, then then the radio style sh- uh, format and show, uh, as well as the original SoccerWorks uh, style of show. Um, so we are we are excited about this SoccerWorks TV. It's going to be our first special tomorrow night, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we're we're going to have a, a live panel of uh, of guests, uh, remote video in, and we're going to be discussing uh, where we are, what's going on, what have we seen in the past and and what we'd like to see in the future and i know that the u.s women's national team case uh the board of directors and and other aspects will definitely be hot topics that we are looking to talk about and uh to to watch this special you'll be able to go on bigatv.com you'll find links there uh we'll probably have this go out over uh some of the daniel workman show um you know social media channels and platforms as well um and you know 
try to have it live on YouTube, Facebook. We're, we're going to try to hit as many outlets as possible for you to be able to, to pull up and watch uh, on your phone, on your tablet, or on your TV. So Bega um, TV presents SoccerWorks TV live special. This is tomorrow night, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, hosted by yours truly, uh, but uh, really excited about uh, the panel that we're putting together, and uh, we'll have some more information on on them uh, maybe later today, uh, for sure tomorrow, and 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 as we build up to that. So, uh, just kind of uh, you know, ask Siri right now on your on your watch or your phone uh, or or go on your uh your uh, computer and, and set a, a calendar notification 9 p.m eastern standard time tomorrow night soccer works tv live special at 9 p.m eastern so um we're excited about this. This is something we've been talking about and planning and working on and, uh, you know, thinking through for, for a while and, uh, having, having the ability to kind of pull all this together, uh, is, uh, as, has been, um, a process, but we are excited about where we are and we're going to, uh, go on. And, uh, even though all the, the craziness of what's going on in the world right now, um, we, we decided to go in and pull the trigger on this and, uh, and do this, uh, this first, uh, live special. And, uh, and so we are going to, to do a deep dive on American soccer as our first live special for soccer works TV. So check that out at big TV.com again, 9 PM Eastern standard time tomorrow. Um, speaking of, um, you know, setting your your watch or making a note uh com. they they make it very easy for you if you're a coach right now and you're trying to figure out okay i need to plan out the rest of my spring plan out my sessions you know really get my my stuff together my act together there is a great way for you to do that. Go to ductigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com, and, uh, and look around. They've got planners. They've got journals. They've got uh, a host of resources and tools for you. Go to ductigbrand.com, place an order, and when you do, use promo code DWSHOW, and you'll get 10% off of your order. Again, that is D. W show and you'll get 10% off of your order um, at ductickbrand.com. Go there today. We'll be right back after this.
for tuning in on this Wednesday. We appreciate uh, all the views, all of the support, and um, all the feedback, etc. Uh, it is... Uh, we can't do this show without you guys, and uh, and we can't do things like uh, the SoccerWorks TV live special um, presented by Bigot TV. We can't do that uh, without you guys. So, a uh, big thank you to all of you who uh, who are a part of this journey and a part of this ride, and uh, we're we are excited about tomorrow night. Um, Grant Wall uh, yesterday posted an article. Uh, Headline, big task ahead for Cindy Parlo-Cone as U.S. soccer president. Cindy Parlo-Cone isn't exactly walking into a cushy situation between the mending of fences, filling high-profile jobs, and navigating multiple lawsuits. Carlos Cordero's successor has a heavy to-do list. And let's be clear before we go any further. Carlos Cordero had the same uh, situation to deal with. The the problem for Carlos Cordero was not that he created this mess. Uh, He didn't. The the mess was created under Sunil Galati. Let's, Let's be clear about this. What we saw in Carlos Cordero was his inability to fix the mess. And so two years in, it, it became apparent that, it was just not going to work. Cindy Cohn uh, now has been uh, gifted the opportunity for the next uh, 11 months uh, prior to the next AGM, uh, where there will be a presidential and vice presidential election, to see if she can um, fix this mess. She didn't create this mess. This mess was created under Sunil, but she's going to have to... Uh, uh, continue to work on things and, and try to do and improve things that Carlos Cordero was unable to do. This is from Grant Wall. The world is rightly focused on the coronavirus right now. I'm on day seven of my home lockdown here in New York, and I hope you all of you are okay and doing what you can to hunker down if at all possible, which is what helps your community most. But I'm also a soccer guy, and I want to talk about the U.S. Soccer Federation, which has been in meltdown U.S. Soccer President Carlos Cordero resigned last week after widespread revulsion among fans and sponsors to the Federation's legal strategy in the U.S. Women's National Team's gender discrimination lawsuit, a strategy that boiled down to arguing women's players deserve to be paid less than men's players because women inherently have less skill, ability, and responsibility than men. In a court filing late Monday, new U.S. soccer president Cindy Parlo Cohn made her first public comment since taking over. She officially withdrew that legal strategy, calling it offensive, adding the Federation will conduct an internal review quickly to determine the breakdown at the board of directors level that allowed that strategy to go through. That's a good start, but let's be clear. Parlo Cohn has a crazy hard job right now. She's an unpaid volunteer doing a job that should be paid in the high six figures, and she's not a former Goldman Sachs partner like Cordero who could afford this. She's in charge of an organization that currently has no CEO, no vice president, and no chief commercial officer. The people that have had the biggest influence on U.S. soccer over the past two decades are now gone. An ex-CEO Dan Flynn, ex-CCO Jay Berhalter, and ex-president Sunil Galati, who's no longer on the board since he's no longer the immediate past president. Here's what Parlo needs to oversee in the near term at U.S. Soccer. First, Chief Legal Officer Lydia Walkie needs to lose her job. That's obvious, and it should have already happened. Second, the public needs to know exactly why the Board of Directors failed so miserably with this legal strategy, and exactly which steps the U.S. Soccer Board will take to end its dysfunction that has lasted for decades. And third, U.S. Soccer needs to settle the lawsuit with the U.S. Women's National Team players as soon as possible. I'm told that several board members, including MLS Commissioner Dan Garber, had pushed Cordero to settle the suit and move beyond it, but that didn't happen. It has to now. Fourth, hire a new CEO. We've been waiting for months and months on this. Get it done. 
Cordero was hardly the only person at fault at U.S. Soccer. I didn't call for the, the, the resignation of the entire board of directors last week because I know there are people on that board who disagreed with the Federation's legal strategy. But we only heard board members, including Parlo, speak publicly against that strategy after sponsors had spoken up first. And the general public had known that was the strategy for three weeks before that. Key points. This actually goes beyond the three weeks. This, is, this goes back much further than that. But the board has had ample opportunity and time and, and uh, ability not only to know, but to express these views. This is, this is just my view on this. Uh, the, the failing of this U.S. soccer board is appalling. In times of crisis, leadership is crucial. In the case of U.S. soccer, that has to come from Parlo Cohn, and that has to come from the U.S. soccer board, which hasn't shown nearly enough so far. Parlo Cohn's challenge over the next year will be immense. She has to resolve multiple lawsuits, mend relationships, and restore faith with the U.S. women's national team fan sponsors and federation members. She has to help guide a, a gutted organization through a complete reconstruction despite having bylaws that make it vulnerable. And she has to do it knowing that there will be an election for president and vice president next February to see who will finish out the term to which Cordero was elected and another one in 2022. There is an opportunity now for U.S. soccer to reinvent itself, to bring new leaders in from diverse demographics, but with a World Cup coming here in 2026, there's also a danger that in a power vacuum, the Federation could be vulnerable to a takeover from potentially wealthy interest with an agenda. Think the Cook brothers for soccer. The, pro the promotion relegation crowd would say that such an influence already exists with the owners of MLS, who are also the owners of Soccer United Marketing, which goes to show how much division there is out there. Unless strong leadership happens, the next two years in U.S. soccer could make the uproar leading up to the 2018 presidential election look tame by comparison. We can only hope, we can only hope that people are paying attention. We, are, we can only hope that, uh, that we, we can see um, real sweeping change, uh, and we'll get back to, to more of that uh, a little bit later in the show. But joining us uh, now on the show is Jonathan Kalura, and uh, he is the founder and owner of Bug, Eater, Bug Eaters FC, if I can get my mouth uh, to work uh, properly this morning. Jonathan, uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? Um, and, uh, and welcome in. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having me on. I guess uh, we're, we're doing as well as possible. So um, with with everything going on, um, and there's a lot going on in in the uh, in the world of uh, soccer. Um, you've got interest in in the UK and obviously here in the states. Um, before we get into some of the stuff with uh, bug eaters, uh, what is what have you been uh, keeping tabs on and learning about uh, the situation going on in the UK with your club there, and uh, and, what, and what kind of uh, ramifications has this break and the coronavirus and all of that uh, having on uh, the club over there? Well, I think it's it's interesting to see how uh, the UK is is responding versus the, the United States and, uh, the United States seems to be, you know, a week to two weeks ahead of, of the actions over there in England. And so, um, you know, things over there are locking down. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a different response. Uh, you know, they had the, uh, uh, the, the herd mentality. And, uh, I think the most important thing there is to shut it down as, as quickly as possible. Um, from things that we've learned here in the U.S., um, you know there there are some concerns over there. If you looked at news this week, uh, Barnett, uh, which is uh, a National League club, they basically uh, laid off everybody, cut the staff, uh, put the manager on notice, and uh, there's there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, you know, I expect to see that with quite a few clubs over there that uh, depend on weekly income. Uh, to fund the expenses. And so, um, you know, Barnett is a uh, good club. It's a historic club. And so it's very concerning 
to see uh, what's what's going to happen over in England. Um, you know, National League and the non-league didn't shut down at the same time that Football League and Premier League did. And, uh, you know, I think that, in my opinion, that uh, that may have been a mistake in putting, putting uh, you know, thousands, thousands of, of uh, people at risk. So um, it's been interesting to see the, the different reactions from the governments. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the difference is also that, you know, uh, we were in season over in England and here in the U.S., uh, we were not. So that, that also makes a difference. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and, and for, you know, major league soccer in the USL, they, you know, were each about a week or two into, to their seasons, uh, with our calendars here beginning in the spring and running to the fall. Um, and then you've got obviously, uh, a lot of the regional leagues and, uh, lower division amateur leagues that, that kick off, uh, some in March, some in April, but, but there's a, quite a few, as we know, that kick off in May and run into the summer. Um, you know, switching gears here to, to the, the U.S. side of things, um, you guys, you know, played last year. You're, you're looking to, to play again this year with Bug Eaters. How, how is this, uh, this whole situation affecting your plans and, uh, and kind of trying to figure out, you know, what life might look like um, as you're speculating uh, as you look ahead towards uh, the summer season? Well, we, we had a league set to go, and um, we had a league set to go. We were finalizing you know, the number of teams, it was going to be five to six. And, you know, then a few weeks ago, we started seeing this coming along. And it was about a week ago that we said we would shut it down. And uh, obviously, we were a little bit ahead of, of the curve on that. We put out a, a statement. I put out a statement on Thursday of last week. And immediately, you know, the the wave of cancellations came in following uh, about the same time that we did. But, and I think the most important thing right now is this, is that uh, I fully don't expect to pay, to play a 2020 season. And here's why, you know, Omaha is, has been absolutely devastated by this. Uh, you know, the college world series is the number one event in Omaha. You have the NCAA swimming, and then you have the NCAA tournament. And so I'm hearing that the financial damage to Omaha is up to 150 million just on those events alone. Um, you know, we we know that uh, businesses in Omaha are suffering, and so you know how how do we go out there and say, hey, you know, uh, we, we need some sponsors this season, or go to some of the fans that we have and say, hey, look. Uh, why don't you come to some some games this year, even, even though we know that you you lost a substantial amount of income? It just it doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, we the other thing is we've also lost a lot of planning time. Um, you know, now is a key time to be preparing for the season, selecting players, trouts, et cetera. So, I think the one thing that we're fortunate with is that we're dynamic, meaning we can scale up and down quickly. We don't have uh, pro contracts that we're locked into at the moment where we have to, uh, where we're, we're paying wages without income. And so what we're looking at is I, I think fully we're looking at 2021, but the most important thing that we're doing right now is what can we do to help the community? Because the community is, is not only suffering, but it's also, um, you know, it's quite damaged at this point. And, and, you know, when we set the club up, we said we would be a community club so now's the time to figure out what we can do. And, and again, you know, we're a small organization, but I do think that we do have a part to play in this. And, and there are things that we can do today to help the community. So in, in looking at uh, Omaha specifically in that community, the community for uh, bug eaters, what are some things that, that your organization can do? And uh, in, in, in likewise, what could other clubs around the country um, maybe learn from and, and, and maybe have ideas of their own to do, uh, maybe to inspire them to, to help their community? What are you guys looking at? I think the first thing is quite simple, and that is 
we're not going to waste time looking at, at a 2020 season and, you know, taking, taking away time and resources uh, that should be focused on something else. And I mean, that, that's an easy one. The second thing is this, is that we're looking at wh- what do we, what can we do? How can we, how can we help the community? And we're still evaluating exactly what that is. You know, we're looking at, can we play a potential charity match and donate all the funds? Um, Omaha has a uh, COVID-19 response fund. One thing that uh, we'll be announcing today is, you know, we, we have a ton of club shop inventory. And so what I'm going to do is uh, we'll put a sale out there and we'll donate a hundred percent of the sales to the COVID-19 response fund in Omaha. And I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll match uh, whatever the sales are. Um, and I'll put a, a minimum of thousand dollars up uh, against that. Now that's a drop in the bucket compared to what's happening, but um, you know, I, at least we are, are looking to try to do something uh, to help the community. In, in, I, I would, yeah, I would, I would also say, you know, in evaluating what, what you can do, I think as much as it is, what can you do as a team? I think it's also, what can you do individually? I think you know, we're on the front end of this. The what can you do is really going to come in on on the backside that backside of this more than anything else. And so you know we're I'm in constant contact with you know my my team there in Omaha, and we're we're trying to assess the situation, figure out if there's anything we can do on the backside of this. So. When when looking at the ramifications uh, for your club and the league that you guys were putting together, uh, have have you figured out what kind of impact this is going to have on the other three, four, or five clubs that were going to be in your league? And what are you hearing from others uh, throughout amateur soccer in terms of uh, their ability to to try to execute and play a season uh, this year? I think, you know, within, within the league itself, I think everybody is, is kind of on the same page. You know, if we're able to get any type of season together, it's, it's going to be minimal. And I, I don't think, I don't think that it would be the right thing to do on the, on the back end of this, you know, given, given the economic and financial devastation that the, that the nation's facing. Um, you know, what I'm hearing from other teams is quite similar in that, um, you know, they're waiting for guidance from their leagues. I think we're fortunate in that um, we're a little bit independent and, um, you know, we make our own decisions. But, you know, like the uh, Barnett example in uh, England, I think you're going to see a lot of damage. Uh, you know, teams that are, are being funded by entrepreneurs. I can tell you firsthand that those business situations have completely changed uh, within the span of about a week to two weeks. And, you know, the funding funding may not be there anymore. So uh, we may see a, a lot of teams, you know, uh, cease to exist and go away. And, um, you know, not not just here, but, but globally. And, and further, I think the most important thing is, is let's, let's focus on the concern for the health of, of the employees, the staff, the volunteers and the players uh, and, and their families at the moment. And it, it's very concerning. And so, you know, what I'm hearing uh, nationally is, is a similar situation. Uh, you know, a lot of people do want to play this season, but I think right now, you know, soccer needs to be put on pause and, and we need to focus on, uh, you know, focus on this situation and see, what happens there and then look at, at, uh, building the season. I was actually, uh, talking to somebody, uh, who has a team in the NPSL and they're in a similar situation in that now, now are the key months for planning the season. They don't know if they can, you know, get a season off the ground. And, and as an entrepreneur, uh, they've suffered significant damage to their business. It is a uh, wild time that we live in when, uh, you know, with everything going on right now. Um, 
as someone who has worked at, in, in various levels of the game involvement in, in different places, uh, not just between the UK and, and Buck Eaters, but throughout American soccer as well, um, you know, what are some lessons that clubs can learn in this moment about sustainability, longevity, figuring out how to really build a solid uh, financial footing uh, so that uh, a situation uh, like this isn't as catastrophic as it will, as it looks to be for, for some organizations. I, I think it starts with, this is the, the game in the U S is not one size fits all. And look, you can do it too. Um, I've, I've been outspoken against those types of things. If, if you're going to get into the game, you need to be able to do it right. And you need to be able to fund it. And I've been a, a proponent of sustainability. And, and when I say sustainability, I mean, exactly that, you know, you know, at the end of the season, you have enough cash to pay all of your bills. And that's how we built Bug Eaters, and that's why Bug Eaters is dynamic and will continue regardless of the situation. It's also tying in, and I think one thing that you have to tie into this is the people as well. And you have to be able to build a team of people who are committed to that same cause. And I'm very fortunate that I have a fantastic team that's committed to that same cause. I think the challenge is, is when you you look at this two different ways. Number one is, you know, the people who are in this to make a buck, I got some bad news. There's no money to be made. There, there won't be, there hasn't been. And those who have jumped in and attempt to make a quick buck are going to feel the consequences of this. And it's, it, it's unfortunate um, that people will suffer because of that. But the second, the second thing is, is, is when you are building sustainability you need to do it slowly you need to get the community backing and you need to focus and so you know the 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 situation that we're in is unprecedented i know that's you know people keep saying that but how do you avoid this situation you raise the standards you raise the standards and you make sure that the business model is one that's beneficial you know, these, these pay-for-play pay leagues, I'm concerned, are going to try to push a season too early uh, because they survive on, on fees. And we need to evaluate that. And I, I would hope that most of the leagues not only look at the fee income, but look at the communities and the, and the structure of the teams within them and say, is this a business model that's sustainable going forward? Um, you know. I, I know that the system has been expanding and I know that, um, you know, we, we kind of got to a, a critical mass with clubs here in the U S and, you know, this comes at a, at a time when you have uh, pro clubs going into <clears throat> communities with well-established teams. And um, I think there's going to be some, some fallout and some washout in, in this situation. So, um, you know, from a financial standpoint, bug eaters are fine because we're able to scale up and scale down. We are not based on building valuation. We're not based on, uh, turning a buck. And so that's why, you know, sponsors for this season, you know, we, any funds we received, we've, we've returned. Those businesses need that money and we're not going to try to push a season and if we do have any matches, uh, we won't be charging admission because, you know, the, the, the fan base and the community that we have is, is absolutely suffering. And I, I just, that's where I really think there are two different business models. And we're, we're going to see a, a big impact um, to the one that's based on valuation and also the one where they've jumped in and, uh, you know, they've been losing money but won't be able to do so anymore. In terms of standards, uh, I, I want to go back to this for just a moment and, you know, walk through with you um, a, a, an experience I had um, about a week and a half ago 
Um, I was in California to cover the uh, opening uh, inaugural uh, opening night for San Diego Loyal, the team uh, partly owned by Landon Donovan and coached by Landon. Uh, and they were facing uh, Eric Winalda's Las Vegas Lights uh, there in San Diego. And uh, this is USL Championship. This is uh, in, in, in the U.S. soccer ecosphere. This is sanctioned as a Division II league, the USL Championship. And, uh, you know, in terms of the stadium and the environment and the operations, it, everything was, you know, top-notch. I mean, to me, as good as you could uh, expect to, to get in um, in that environment. And it was a college stadium, the University of San Diego. It was a sellout crowd. It was announced, I think, somewhere around 6,100, uh, which was maximum capacity for that small stadium. Uh, but generally, I felt like it was a it was a really good setup. They, you know, if you if you walked around, could you find something to, nit- to nitpick on? Maybe um, if if that's just your thing. But in terms of like, you know, bathrooms and and uh, you know concessions and the environment and all of those things, you know, I felt it was really good and. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up with you talking about standards is when you look at uh, two clubs that were the standard bearers for the NPSL, uh, Chattanooga and Detroit, which have recently departed for NISA, uh, these two clubs have been uh, well known for quite some time for what I would say, punching above their weight when it comes to standards. The league itself doesn't have a league-wide standard to the level of what Detroit and Chattanooga um, upheld internally for themselves. But if you went to a Chattanooga match, uh, having gone to to a Chattanooga Chattanooga match versus a San Diego match, very similar in uh, in the execution of the match day per, um, environment and experience, um, you know both professional o- operations. Even even though one was operating as a short season, you know Cape Cod summer style amateur um, uh, club in Chattanooga and in, in Detroit, for example, versus uh, San Diego, which are paying players and and uh, beginning their campaign, which has now been put on pause. Uh, in the USL championship, uh, you could see a club, an organization take upon themselves, uh, in Chattanooga, uh, as well as in Detroit and others have done so as well. Um, but have, have internally said, look, we're going to raise our own standards. We're going to do things as well as we possibly can. And I, I, I first, think that the responsibility is always with the club right to 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 do this but how important is it as you mentioned standards and standardization across leagues and and the operations and kind of changing the ecosphere and landscape how important is it uh to to address um, the game day experience and the operations uh, of these clubs from a standardization standpoint with leagues in order to, to build something that is sustaining and, quite frankly, is run better across the board rather than having a Chattanooga or Detroit be an outlier for the NPSL and making that a, a normal uh, experience for for all of the NPSL when they were 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 in the league now for them with NISA for example how important is this standardization from a league perspective in 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 kind of changing the dynamics uh, for soccer clubs in America well, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the league but I'll speak from the club aspect and so when we built bug eaters I wanted to ensure that we did everything as high quality as possible to, to build a product that was, was lasting. And, um, you know, currently we play at one of the nicest, uh, soccer facilities in the United States at Morrison stadium at, at Creighton university. And if you went to a match day, match day there, you would, 
you you would notice uh, some of the things that we've we've taken away from some of the um, quality clubs, such as Chattanooga and, and Little Rock, that we've actually gone and played and taken notes and go, okay, well this is this is a good idea. And I, I think to answer your question, you know, the standardization and getting standards. It's absolutely vital to the success of the game in the United States. Um, you know, we had a player last season who went away uh, to play for another team here in the U.S. Uh, because of the um, because of the the league, you know, the image of that league. And they came back to us and they said it was absolutely nothing like the experience that they get with us. Um, I think, you know, I, I think that for the United States to really help develop talent and uh it you know you need to have quality you need to have quality training facilities you need to have quality stadium and quality stadium operations and anybody uh you know i would say these communities have those types of facilities we're very fortunate in the united states that most most communities have those and so it's Again, connecting with your community. How do you get access to this? Well, you have to be connected in the community, know the community, and show them that your intent is to help development, not to say, you know, I'm going to use this and then I'm going to go uh, use this facility and then ultimately go pro. And that's not going to work. And, and I think one thing coming out of this is that what I've been saying, which is, you know, a quality program, you don't have to have the pro label to be a quality program. And I, I get that people want the extended season. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about about the the team itself, the the uh, the fan experience, and, and that's one thing you touched on, which I'm absolutely uh, a big proponent of. If somebody comes to a bug eaters game and they leave, what do they say? You know, did they feel that it was a pro match day? Do they feel that? That let me let me rephrase that because when I say pro match day, I don't mean pro as in players on the field. Because the fact is, is when we when we asked people leaving the stadium last year, what did you think? They had no idea if we were pro or not. They felt that it was good, that it was quality, and it was well done. And so, one thing about Nebraska is it's a fantastic amateur sports community, and it's been very successful for doing so. So the fans there expect high quality. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, put on a fantastic match. I would love to see other clubs follow those same standards. And if, if you're just, if you're doing this because you want to claim to own, own the team, I, I think they're going to get washed out. Um, you know, we can all aspire to be a Chattanooga, a little rock a Detroit, um, you know, but, there's there's one thing in common with all those. It's the community that they connect to, and it's it's how they've been able to build that. The match day is as good as as the community that you connect to because you're getting volunteers, you're getting you're getting that uh, local culture involved. And so you know when I see what we've done in Omaha, you know we've we've done that connection and we're building. Unfortunately, now's not even the time to be thinking about this. Um, you know, because it's it's just been uh, it's been tough lately, to say the least. Well, I, th- I think you bring up some really good points there about uh, connecting to the community and you know finding ways to to provide value. You know, if you if you think at, about it uh, from a business perspective, you know, if you want customers, you got to provide enough value for those customers. Uh, in the same way, you've got to provide value for your community. Uh, and, uh, you know, every match day has to be treated like you're rolling out the welcome mat to the community. Um, and and you want you want them to leave not not knowing whether those players were professional or amateur uh, from the standpoint of the um, you know overall experience uh, outside the lines you know from the the stadium experience uh, food and concessions the the greeters the the staff I mean all of it you want you want that to feel top notch and that that's really the point I was making about what I observed in San Diego versus what I've observed at, at like for example a Chattanooga match where even though Chattanooga was operating uh, in U.S. soccer's eyes as an amateur organization 
season, they were putting on a professional match day experience, which to your point, uh, as we are, uh, well know, that Chattanooga was was much more than than just amateur players. They, they were uh, really good about connecting with their community and their city. And, uh, you know, and I and I think because of that, that that was tested uh, by the USL and uh, the whole Chattanooga Red Wolves uh, situation. And and in, in Chattanooga FC have, have come out uh, on the other end stronger uh, and, have, and have been able to last where I think many clubs would not have. Uh, and this was a this was a very, very, uh, to me, important test to uh to that hypothesis and uh in chattanooga to me have, have succeeded in being able to 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 build on that and and clubs like yours with bug eaters continuing to elevate standards uh, internally uh are necessary uh, i've had this conversation with so many clubs across this country who will talk about well we we you know the they'll look at this league or they'll look at this club or they'll look at this thing. And, you know, one day, or I would love to, or the, and for me, it gets down to like, you know, you've got to, you've got to start to do, you know, even if it's small things, um, you've got to start to execute. You've got to start to, to build. And, and I know that, that yourself and others that are, that are in the game are always willing to share ideas and, and help out and provide advice. Um, and I, and I think it's important that clubs seek out that advice and, and try to execute because, you know, the, the system is healthier and better over the long run if we are able to uh, to have these clubs elevate their standards internally, not wait on a league or a federation to do it. We obviously know the federation's incapable at this point of doing it uh, anyway. So, um, you know, I, I just think, I think it's a, it's an important point. And in light of where we are with uh, all of the coronavirus stuff and league cancellations, clubs going on hiatus, etc., now's a good time to do some internal review, some introspection. Who are we as a club? How do we connect to our community? How can we be a resource during these difficult times? How can we get better for the community uh, over the long run? And I think uh, if we, if we all take some time to do that uh, both both in our personal lives and our businesses but also as soccer clubs i think we'll be better for it um so look jonathan thanks for for joining the show today thanks for coming on uh and kind of yeah. sharing your thoughts how can people um participate in uh in your your bug eaters charity uh, uh campaign that uh, you're doing uh that you mentioned earlier in the show well, we're, we're going to put out a statement today that basically states, um, you know, what we're doing. And, and like I said, now's not the time to be focusing on bug eaters. What we can do is, is such a small thing, but we feel that it's absolutely important to focus on the community. So if they buy something from the club shop, that money's going straight to the Omaha COVID-19 response. And the one thing I would say is this, is that we are in a very fortunate position because we are connected to the community and we are focusing on, on them at this point. You know, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to contact me. I'd be happy to give you ideas, but every club that you mentioned that's successful, they had one thing in common. That is they were focused on the community. And I'm not talking about some out of, out of state owner showing up saying that they are authentic and they're going to focus on the community because they're there to make a buck off of them. I'm talking about somebody who's a local leader, somebody who's locally involved and wants to focus on, wants to focus on that community. Now's the time to step up and do it. And I would say, you know, soccer secondary to everything that's going on, not even probably secondary. We've got to focus on the, the issue we have at hand and teams need to be thinking about what they can do to help that community. I completely agree, and uh, and I hope that we all take uh, lessons from this uh, unfortunate situation uh, and uh, and get better uh, personally, get better uh, in our organizations, our businesses, 
and in our, our soccer clubs as well. Jonathan, thanks for joining the show. Stay safe out there and uh, best of luck. And uh, we'll be uh, looking for that official release today on uh, your Bug Eaters campaign. And, um, and you know, as you look into uh, the uh, the future in terms of uh, the Bug Eaters and, and other aspects you're involved with, uh, we'd love to have you uh, back on again uh, in the future to, to kind of dig into to all of those things. So thanks for joining the show today. Thanks for having me on. Always. That is Jonathan Kalura of Bug Eaters FC. And I uh, appreciate him coming on this morning to spend some time with us uh, talking about the realities that, that American soccer faces, but clubs across the world are facing. And, uh, you know, this is a little bit of a reset. And so I hope that uh, we, uh, we all take advantage of that and get better uh, ourselves. Um, speaking of getting better, um, there's an organization that helps uh, – people's lives get better and that is charitywater.org charitywater.org they provide clean drinking water to people all over the world and there's never been a more important time for that work to continue than right now Uh, go to charitywater.org today you can make their story part of your story and uh, and help someone around the world who doesn't even have access to clean water much less uh, anything else so charitywater.org learn more about them today at charitywater.org we'll be right back after this no one no man no woman no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs with algae with disease in it bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Jonathan Kalura for joining us today. And, uh, you know, there's some grim realities out there for clubs across the world. And uh, it's important that we keep those in mind during these times. Um, Obviously, there are much more important things going on in terms of the coronavirus and public health and safety. But uh, it it is an important reality to remember um, and I and I think all of us can learn from from this uh, unfortunate situation, and uh, and get better in our own lives, get better as as businesses and organizations, as I mentioned, but also our our soccer ecosystems and our clubs, our internal club operations, finding ways to be sustainable and better at what we do. I think has never been more important than today, and uh, in, in 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 taking advantage of those lessons. Um, uh, one one point I want to get back to um, before Jonathan joined the show, we were talking a little bit about uh, what Grant Wall had had written and uh, talking about Cindy Cohn coming in as president and um, in in some of the the continued uh, changes that were necessary. Uh, Meg Linehan for the Athletic uh, also had an article up yesterday: New USSF President Changes Course in Equal Pay Court Filings After Public Backlash. And she did a, a, a good review, and there's a couple points that really stood out to me in in regards to this situation, um, and and that was that as she pointed out uh, that that Cindy Cohn's um, you know 
basically plan in her first kind of statement uh, as part of this whole release uh, of an updated legal filing uh, had three steps. Uh, two of them they they had already taken. So um, you know that those two those first two steps were removing the offensive language and transitioning to Latham and Watkins. Um, and, and so those two steps they had already, uh, taken and, and had already, uh, begun and achieved. The final step was performing a comprehensive review of quote, our internal processes to better understand how this break breakdown occurred and how it can be avoided in the future. It's important to note and to point out here, as Meg Linehan points out, that review only pertains to the internal process which allowed the Federation's attorneys from Seafarth Shaw to file on March 9th with an argument that suggested the U.S. Women's National Team do not perform equal work because of their strength and skills relative to men. Um that this this internal review is not a uh, to as as Linehan points out here um, does not uh, point to a a widespread sweeping review. Uh, it is simply a targeted review of how we got here. Now, this is not going to fix the problems that we know have been plaguing the board for a very long time. Another point that Linehan pointed out here um, is that uh, those who spoke up, including Cindy Cohn, um, you know, called them an error. Um, this is Cindy Cohn's statement uh, when she she went um, public with with her views on this situation. She she called them an error, but again. Uh, Meg Linehan points out they were only a conclusion of months of legal strategy that can be traced back to December 2019 depositions of U.S. women's national team players. So looking at all of this, the, the, the facts don't add up in a favorable way thus far for Cindy Cohn taking the widespread and sweeping actions that need to take place. If, if you're going to lay out a three-step plan and your plan is simply to change the law firm uh, that, that handled this and, uh, you know, to, to remove the incendiary language uh, as well as call for a review of how this language got in there in the first place, that's not enough. And uh, it's an it's important to point this out, uh, and it and it and it further goes to uh, one of the reasons, not the primary reason, but one of the reasons why we are doing uh, this Soccer Works TV live special tomorrow night. Uh, we are going to be doing this uh, this live TV special, and uh, and you'll be able to to hear from people uh, around the the country. That work in different aspects of the game that have different insight to different um, aspects of organizations and and or internal organizational operations, um, and so this is uh, an event. Uh, this live special Soccer Works TV tomorrow night at nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, and you'll be able to find that on BegaTV.com, B-E-G-A-T-V.com, and uh, we'll have it. Across a, a variety of platforms, and uh, it'll be available to you free. This is not a, a paid live special. It's not anything that you've got to worry about from that standpoint. You'll be able to uh, to keep track of this uh, and watch this and follow along. And, and we're hoping to have the ability and opportunity for uh, for you know f- feedback and Q and A um, and 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 get uh, almost kind of a town hall type of feel to the event. Uh, as much as we possibly can um, and so uh, stay tuned for details on that that we'll have some more of that information out tomorrow uh, but
But this uh, event is taking place tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, our SoccerWorks TV live special. Um, and it's something that we are really excited about uh, and, and hope that you'll be able to mark this on your calendars to take advantage uh, of uh, the content that we're able to put together here. And we are going to get into some of this stuff with uh, the, the board of directors and U.S. Soccer as well. So that is tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our SoccerWorks TV. This is our first live special uh, on this new version of SoccerWorks. And we're, we're hoping to eventually turn this into a regular uh, TV show. Um, and, uh, and we're working on uh, some details uh, you know, surrounding that. But for now, this will be our, our first live special. And uh, we look forward to bringing that to you tomorrow night. Um, so stay tuned for that. Mark your calendars. We hope to, to have you join in uh, and, and watch this special as we dig into American soccer, uh, where we are, where we've been, and, and ultimately where we need to go. Thanks for watching the show today. As always, you can watch on Facebook.com forward slash WRKMN. You can also watch on uh BegaTV.com and uh, Twitter and other places. Thanks for watching as always. We appreciate the support. DMs are open on Twitter or Instagram. If you need to send me anything, feel free to do so. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.